Hi, this is Michael Schenker. You're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hi, this is Axel Rolipel, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hey, guys, headbangers and metalheads, this is Doral Passion. You're listening to Iron City Rocks, and I wish you a great time and rock on. <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode 68 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host, John. The Iron City Rocks podcast is a podcast devoted to promoting Pittsburgh's rock, hard rock, heavy metal, and blues music scene. Episode 68, we're going to take a complete departure from our normal show, and we're not going to talk about anything related to Pittsburgh's music scene. Other than the fact that many people from Pittsburgh have German descent, that's about as close as I can get, but... Two interviews I've had the opportunity to do recently that I just couldn't pass up sharing with you guys, so if you're only interested in Pittsburgh music, now would be a good time to stop listening. First interview that we're going to get to is from German female vocalist supreme Dora Pesch. Dora, you might remember from the mid-80s, was the lead singer of a band called Warlock that had a pretty decent hit with All We Are. Uh, has gone on to have a stellar musical career performing with the likes of Udo Durkensnyder, Ronnie James, Dio, Lemmy from Motorhead, and many, many, many more. So we had a chance to talk to Dora about uh, a very short North American tour she's going to be doing and plans for 2011 to do a more full-scale tour. So we're going to get into that interview before we do from Warlock's debut album, Burning the Witches. This is Sign of Satan. Three. 
be sick as a dog. It doesn't matter on stage. I don't, you know, I don't feel anything. No pain, nothing. Usually I always have a bad cold. Usually I'm always like, you know, cranky or didn't sleep or totally like stressed out. But then when I'm on stage and I see the audience and when I get like good feedback, oh, then I can sing 10 times better than, you know, when, when I'm, for example, in the studio, when I'm just one-on-one, my engineer and, and myself that's never you know as good like the audience that's definitely part of uh, yeah, what i need to to you know get it like up to 150 percent but um that's yeah that's definitely my yeah my thing and nothing else matters just the fans yeah so the adrenaline is, is definitely in your ingredients yeah um, and and the vibration when you feel like connected to the people oh that's that's something that, that's so great it's yeah, yeah. Uh, you had, um, I mean, pretty early on, you guys had some pretty good success with Warlock, um, with All We Are and things like that. And then, slowly, if in my, if I'm painting this inaccurately, I apologize, but kind of the group sort of started to splinter away, and you were left as sort of the nucleus, and that's when you decided to kind of change the brand name. Um, actually, um, the real reason was we, um, somebody took a hold of the right to the name Warlock and was my old manager and actually had nothing to do with the name but um, yeah, he he took it and we went to court and then it took ages to get it back and actually I just got the rights to the name back like four years ago so so actually we had to change Warlock to Doro and I never intended to make a solo career but it was just like yeah, we, we had to do something so because we couldn't use the name anymore and yeah, and actually we were, you know, a very young band, and we were only yeah. thinking of doing music, doing gigs. So, so the business aspect, we we didn't even care. And then the manager cared. So, so that yeah, was like certainly. the end of Warlock. So unfortunately, but yeah, but now we got it back. Four years ago, I I got the rights back. Yeah, I, I was actually quite jazzed to hear the song "Night of the Warlock" because it just kind of threw you back to that that time, and it's a phenomenal track. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. circle. Now, um, yeah, you actually performed at one of the uh, first kind of monsters of rock at Donington. I was looking back in, when it was like '86 yeah. or something like that. And how yeah. mind blowing is that? I mean, you guys are still a relatively young band, and you're there with Scorpions and Ozzy and stuff like that. I mean, was that at that point your largest kind of venue or gig to that date? Yes, yes, absolutely, and. It was like, I think, yeah, the lineup was like Aussie, Scorpions, Def Leppard, uh, Bon Jovi, Motorhead in, in in England, and us. And, man, it was uh, mind-blowing. I think 120,000 people were there, and, and everybody wow. was so excited. And, and it was definitely a door-opener, too, because, like, the the critics, the record company, the journalists, everybody saw it. And then the fans were so enthusiastic. And then I said, okay, let's let's give this band a, a chance. And, and actually then a couple of weeks later, we got hopped on the greatest tour, Judas Priest. And man, in 86, that was like, you know, as, as, as big as it could get. So, so Monsters of Rock, that was definitely in, in such an important day. And it was so overwhelming. But um, yeah, it was uh, wow, it was fantastic, yeah, ph- phenomenal. Definitely. You can't beat the exposure of 120,000 people live uh, who are all into that kind of music. I mean, in your band, yeah. I think really fit in with a lot of those. Um, now you've had the opportunity to tour with the likes of you mentioned Ronnie James Dio, um, 
parents and guys like that. I, I've noticed, it, it, kind of looking at your career, there's been a lot of interaction with Motorhead. Is it just a kind of a certain friendship that sparked with Lemmy? Yeah. It's kind yeah. of... Actually, yeah, we're just um, like in December. We are uh, we're actually on going on tour together, but unfortunately only in Europe. And yeah, that's the first tour with Motorhead, and yeah, that's I'm so I'm so much looking forward, and I love Lemmy, and yeah, I, I wish that would be in the States. That would be you know greater, yeah. but yeah, but yeah, we do something here in in Europe, and yeah, and what you mentioned with Ronnie James Dio, we did a couple of uh, tours, one in Europe, that was '87. And then the last one in the States was 2000, and oh, it was so, it was so amazing. And and Ronnie is like, you know, he was one of the greatest guys, and you know, I I love him so much. And um, actually, we are just working on a new DVD, and the DVD is dedicated to Ronnie James Dio. And oh. yeah, we all miss him so much, and and we learned from him so much. And oh, I was like, it was the best tour I've ever done in my whole life. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. This- very hardly a negative word for Ronnie. That's certainly true. How did you end up working with, with Gene Simmons back in on the Doro album? Was that uh, did he approach your camp, or was, did you guys kind of seek him out? Because I know for a while he was kind of producing and getting his name on anything he could. Yeah, actually, I was uh, and I still am a big Kiss fan, and I introduced Kiss um, actually on the Monsters of Rock Festival. It was 1988. In Germany, like the promoter thought maybe that's a cool thing to do. So I could introduce Kiss, and that was the first time that I met the guys, and the first time I met Gene Simmons. And then one year later, I thought maybe maybe I would like, you know, to write maybe a song with Gene, or maybe to cover a Kiss song. So I told my manager, I said, Do you think it's possible to get in touch um, with the guys? And my manager said, Man, you know, I, I don't think so. You know, they probably have no time for that. And then a couple of weeks later, my phone rang. It was early in the morning, and my American manager, he was on the line, and he said, Doro, just get up, you know, and meet me at 57th Street in the Parker Meridian Hotel. And I said, really, for what? He said, well, there's a surprise. There's somebody waiting for you. And I thought maybe it's something from, you know, from Germany, my fans or family or something. So I got there, and my manager was waiting there for me. And I said, so Alex was his name, and he was a great guy. And uh, for 17 years, we worked together, but he, he was so cool. And then, you know, I said, so Alex, who is it? And he said, well, you want to go in, find out? I said, no, please tell me. He said, Gene Simmons. And I said, what? <laughs> I said, oh, no way, you must be kidding. And then I actually, I went three times around the block, you know, and then I was ready to go in. And, and it was yeah. so great, and he was so nice. And then, yeah, at first we said, maybe we do one song together. And let's see if it works out at all. And then two songs, three songs, and then he produced the whole record. And actually, Tommy Thayer, the guy who's now in Kiss, he was the co-producer, and he played all the guitars, and it was awesome. And and me being a big fan, oh man, I never got over it. It was every day a dream come true, going into the studio. And and Gene was so nice. He was such a great producer and such a great person. And I I learned a lot too. He was very you know, had a very good way in, you know, teaching you things, and it was uh, yeah, un- unbelievable, unbelievable. He certainly got the work ethic. I, I, too, share your passion for all things KISS, and that would, yeah. be, would be very intimidating to try to, try to imagine to do, you know, you, you've made quite a few albums up to that point, but, you know, how many yeah. with Gene Simmons on the other end of the console? Um, yeah. Kind of fast forward to the to the new album, uh, Fear No Evil. Um 
how did, did the writing process, was there a lot of that songs you penned, or were there some collaborations involved in there? Yeah, actually, some songs I did by myself, some songs I did uh, with my band, and some songs I did, uh, there's a great guy, his name is Andreas Brun, and he was the ex-guitar player of Sisters of Mercy, and we actually were really close friends, and we always loved to work together, and then we worked on five, yeah, four or five songs together, and that was pretty cool, like, um, Running from the Devil and Herzblut, it's uh, it's a German ballad, which actually we um, we translated it in four different languages. Mm-hmm. And um, and then I hooked up with my old friend Joey Ballen. We recorded actually the Triumph and Agony together and wrote many songs. And I thought maybe, you know, maybe we still have a good chemistry. And then actually we wrote two great songs for the record, Celebrate which uh, is like a kind of all we are kind of song and walking mm-hmm. with the angels and walking with the angels is a duet with Taya Turunen from the ex-singer of Nightwish and celebrate we did actually a version with um, the fans singing in the background Bist of Saxon and like all the great ladies of metal and um, that was like one of my, my, my favorite songs on this record and we actually played it um, on my 25th anniversary and I wanted to write some songs yeah, for this special event and actually that's what we are just um, yeah we're just working on the DVD from this um, concert it was the 25th anniversary and like a big celebration with many many great guests and yeah and celebrate was one of the highlights and and we played the full metal female version at uh, this night oh, that'll be wonderful as an American fan we appreciate the DVDs I remember mm-hmm. There was one, maybe it was the 20th anniversary, if I'm not mistaken, that you had put out a DVD. Yes, um, 20 year was the last one, and now, yeah, now the 25 years in rock, that's uh, what it's called. It's coming up, I guess, in spring. In, in Europe, it's coming out in December, and in the States, in, yeah, springtime around. Uh, now, um, speaking of Nightwish, I mean, are there bands out there that you see, and both male and female, that you see... Um, Maybe, or even artists that have come up to you and said, you know, you've been a big inspiration on my singing ability. Um, you know, it's obvious to kind of say, you know, there's some great female metal vocalists out there, but even beyond gender. Yeah. Oh, John, can you say that again? I think the line wasn't, well, the, the line was suddenly well, bad. I, I didn't understand your question. I'm so sorry, please. That's okay. Are, are, there, uh, are there artists out there, in, in maybe younger artists, that have come up to you, both male and female, and have expressed that you've been an inspiration to their singing or, or, you know, kind of like you were admired Ronnie James. Yes, actually, yeah, a a couple of times. And, yeah, and and many people, they said when they saw the All We Are video on MTV, that was actually, that was, or made them, like, you know, have a a new band or pick up the guitar or start, uh, you know, like, um, yeah, singing, it was, um, yeah, a couple of times some bands told me that it was a big inspiration. And and these days it's so cool to, yeah, to to have, like, a history of, like, 80s metal. So so many fans, they, yeah, they said, yeah, you know, you inspired us to whatever, to do a demo record, yeah, found a band. And it's like, oh, that, that's so, that, that feels so good. And, yeah, when, yeah. when you know that you gave some other people some positive inspiration, positive energy, and especially in Spain. There are many bands with female singers. They said it was like a, a big influence, and yeah, and I'm so, I'm so 
proud of them and yeah and sometimes you know i i i try you know to you know to get like some new bands on our bill like when we do a big tour like bands which are maybe not signed yet you know and then we can you know give something back because i i know i i could really learn from the best and i had so many bands they they took care of us and they were like so supportive and then i always tried yeah to do my best to yeah to give like you know good support to young bands and yeah yeah read that good well um just one last question you're going to be coming in um to the U.S. and doing it. It's just a small handful of dates. So are there plans in, in 2011 to maybe do a more widespread tour? Yes, yes, absolutely. After the DVD will be released and it is called 25 Years in Rock and still going strong, that's the whole title. And then we definitely want to do more shows. And, and now we're just on our way to Japan. I've never been there. So I thought, oh, let's let's do a couple of gigs in, in the States. And, and yeah, and since I'm living close to yeah to the new york area i'm you know i'm so happy that we can at least do four gigs it's not enough but next year we want to do like a full tour maybe open up for somebody nice i don't know but um yeah definitely in in 211 it will yeah it will yeah. be much better bigger and nicer but for for now you know to yeah yeah let the fans yeah. get a little taste of yeah yeah yeah, I could I can envision it now, seeing you maybe making a run with the Scorpions as they kind of do their second leg of their uh, farewell tour. That would be really uh, yes, yeah, this awesome. would be great. Yeah, this would be awesome, and yeah, 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 something like this would be awesome. Yeah, yeah, Scorpions accept uh, something like this, but uh, it it doesn't have to be necessarily a German band. Just you know, whoever mm-hmm. you know, whoever's out there, you know. Doing it, you know, for for a long time. I, you know, I, yeah. I mean, I, I'm even open to, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be only traditional metal. Even though I, I know the guys the best, but, you know, but, uh, yeah. Like, let's see, maybe when when the Motorhead tour is going well here in Europe, maybe we can, you know, oh. go to the states together. This would be so. That great. would be that would be wonderful. Yeah, I unfortunately yeah, yeah. made the mistake of of not going to see Motorhead when they were last in my town, and it was with Dio, and it was kicking oh. myself ever since. So, I yeah. learned a lesson yeah. there. Don't pass up a chance to see someone. Oh, Dora, yeah. I want to thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show. It's it was a pleasure to talk to you. And, uh, it was you. my pleasure. Thank you so much, John, for for having me, and it was it was so great talking to you. And yeah. All right, and there you have Miss Doro Pesh. Uh, really, just an absolute pleasure to talk to her. I'd been a kind of a casual fan of the band uh, for many many years, but uh, could not have been more nice uh, and and friendly to take the time to talk to. So I really want to thank her for that. Now, if that wasn't enough, uh, another artist from Germany. Uh, that may not be as familiar to many Americans, but uh, I, I'm hoping to help change that. Uh, a man named Axel Rudy Pell. Uh, been around uh, since the early days. He was in a band called Steeler. Uh, has gone on to uh, have a pretty long career with some great, great records. This is from his 2010 release, The Crest. This is called Too Late, and then we're going to get into an interview with Mr. Axel Rudy Pell. <laughs>
Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to welcome to the show German guitar legend Axel Rudy Pell. How are you today, Axel? I'm fine, thanks, Sean. I'm very good. Wonderful. Hey, I wanted to uh, to get in touch with you. You've uh, been a guitarist that I've admired kind of from afar for, for a number of years, and I wanted to uh, kind of shine a light on, on your career, because I think uh, over here in America, you're maybe a little bit more unknown than you are in Europe, so I was hoping uh, we could talk today and, you know, get introduced more or less people in the U.S. who may not have heard of, of Axel Rudy Pell and, and the great kind of melodic hard rock style that you guys do. Okay. Um, you got your start back in a band called Steeler, correct? It kind of as far as a recording career? Oh, yeah. That was way back in the 80s. You know, we, we started out, I think I formed the, the band called Steeler uh, in 1980, and we did a first record in 1984, the second one in 85, the third one in 86, and I think the fourth one came out, as far as I remember, in 87. And then I decided to, to, uh, to leave the band in, in late 88 to start my solo career because the other guys from Steeler decided to carry on with some kind of popular, more melodic stuff in the vein of Queen and, let's say, Def Leppard and something. And that wasn't my, okay. my intention, you know. So I left and formed my solo career. Okay, and you, um, you're originally from near Bochum, Germany? Is that oh, sorry? Where, where exactly in Germany are you from originally? I'm from, from West Germany, so uh, okay. it's a city called Bochum. Okay. And you, um, did you study kind of classically the guitars? I mean, you've got a little bit of, I've always felt a little bit of a classical influence to your playing. Is that something you studied? Uh, no, I never studied it. You know, you know I, I only went to, um, I had a teacher, I think it was in uh, 73 or something, 73 to 74. I went to... Um, yeah, I went to that guy who teach me some of the ground chords on the guitar, you know, an A minor or something, and a C and a G, and other ground chords and everything else from, from everything else from that point on. Um, I learned by myself watching uh, TV and stuff and listen to records and try to find out how the guys are playing that. You know. <laughs> okay. Yeah, just kind of learn learn by studying. Um, the you, you as a solo artist, with, with, as Axel Rudy Pell as a unit, you've gone through um, a couple singers before you kind of hit your niche, um, but a couple of relatively big names, with especially uh, Rob Rock and Jeff Scott Soto. Was there was that the kind of particular style of singer you kind of sought, or is that just you worried more about personalities and how you click? Oh, you know, you know, that, no, no, because you know I write the songs all by myself and. I always looked for a good singer for my band. You know, when, we, when I did the first solo record, I had Charlie Yoon in the band. He was before he was yeah. in uh, Ted Nugent's band, and he sang for Gary Moore, the English guitar player. And uh, he was in a band called Victory, and he sounded great. So when I did a record with him, because I knew him personally, because the guys when when they were recording uh, with Victory in a, in a city in Bo- uh, in, in uh, Germany called Hanover. I was, we were there with Steeler recording during the day and they were recording during the night, so that's the reason why I know Charlie personally, and I called him after he left Victory. I gave him a call and said, well, you think about singing on the first solo record? He said, okay, great, um, I'll, I'll do it, okay. So and afterwards, I, I changed the style a bit. You know, he fixed perfectly to the first album, but I wanted to have, he, he sang more or less in, in the vein of, let's say, Bon Scott, Brian Johnson, you know. I wanted to have mm-hmm. some, somebody different sounding more like Ronnie James Dio because Ronnie Dio was always my, my big lead singer hero, you know. So when sure. I contacted Rob Rock and he was perfect for that second record, 
Uh, but when it came uh, to tour, he said, oh, I, I can't do it because I permanently joined the band Impelitary. This is the band formed by, I think, the L.A.-based guy called Chris Impelitary. So he couldn't yeah. do the tour, and then I looked for another singer, and Jeff Scott Soto came in. And I um, I phoned that guy, and uh, I got the wrong number. I got the wrong number from, from his mom. I talked to the answering machine, and he replied. He gave me a call back and said, how oh, can I help you? And I explained everything. And, yeah, I think Jeff, Jeff was a... Uh, probably the better singer, the third singer, but the the most important one till that point, you know. And um, mm -hmm. then the same thing happens to him too, because he once called me and he said, actually, I can't do the tour because I'm now in a Las Vegas boogie rock band outfit, a disco outfit called the Boogie Nights, you know, and I can't carry right. over. And I said, okay, then our ways will um, will depart because I need a permanent singer, you know, who's available to tour and for the records as well. So and then I got in touch with Johnny Gioelli, and I think Johnny is the best. What happened to ARP so far? Because I think his voice is, is brilliant. He's the perfect lead singer for my kind of music. Yeah, I have to admit, I, I only became acquainted with the band after Johnny Gioelli uh, joined the band. And honestly, I, I yeah. had never been able to put his face. You know, he's got a very, very familiar voice and an extremely powerful voice. I, I can't say enough about how great of a, of a Frontman, I think he is for your band. But I, I could not put his face to something. I, I knew I knew him from somewhere. And then yesterday, it this lightning bolt hit me about his time with Hardline, and I was right. like, "Oh my goodness, that was him!" You know, that was a phenomenal song they had. Um, and and honestly, I think uh, I, I think through your progression of singers, not it, it's hard to say that someone's an upgrade over Jeff Scott Soto, but I think Johnny's singing is, is just first rate. Um, your time with, with Jeff Scott Soto, if I could just rewind a hair, do you think that that kind of maybe pigeonholed you as sort of an Ingve? I'm sorry, I didn't understand you, I'm sorry. When you were, when Jeff was the singer of the band, did you get any kind of comparisons, maybe undeserved, to Ingve Malmsteen at the time? Oh, no, not really, because, you know, I knew that Jeff, Jeff from Ingve's band, but I, I didn't hire him because he was an Ingve, you know? <laughs> no, no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's. But um, honestly, I, I one of the things that I think Johnny does very well is is to go back into that catalog and cover, you know, a lot of Jeff's stuff, and I think he does it phenomenally well. I mean, you yeah. guys, when you do full full live um, now, I think it sounds better than it did on the record. Um, right. One one of the things that that has always kind of stood out to me about your playing is. It's kind of your tone. Can, can we just talk for a second about kind of what kind of gear you're using? Obviously, you're, you're a Stratocaster man, but what right. what are you running that into it, and how do you get, like, the guitar tone in full, full to me, even on the record, it's just phenomenal. How is uh, it you, you accomplish that? Um, I don't know, because I think, I think Eddie Van Halen once said it, it, the sound is in your fingers, you know. I always try to express myself, my deepest, the, the, the deepest thing inside my soul or something, inside my heart. It came out through my fingers. I don't know. I, I can't explain, but sometimes it's there. <laughs> yeah, it, it's certainly there. Um, you have uh, sort of surrounded yourself with a band full of uh, very interesting uh, people. I mean, to watch you guys live, you're kind of the, the guy over on the side, but you've got a... Volker is obviously very uh, animated as a bass player. Your keyboard player is just phenomenal. I've never seen a keyboard yeah. player quite that animated on stage. Is that something kind of thought out, or is this the kind of guys that that you were attracted to to get into the band with you? Well, he, he's, he's uh, the keyboard player, Ferdy, he's, uh, um, um, 
he's he's exactly like the way he is on stage. He's he's been a driver too, you know. So yeah. <laughs> I think we're all a, a bunch. Of, sometimes we call it circus pal, you know. Everybody is an artist, yeah. but um, it's very very uh, yeah, it's tough. <laughs> you, Mikey, for example, he makes me laugh all the time. Mike Tarana, the drummer, you know. So we're having a lot yeah. of fun on the road. Yeah, so Mike is as crazy off stage as he appears on stage. That's, that's good. Now, the new album, Crest, um, do you want to tell us a little bit about like the writing process? Are you, do you write with Johnny, or do you write kind of by yourself and then present the ideas to him for vocals, or how, how does that all come together? You know, normally, uh, I mean, every time I'm sitting down, I write all by myself. You know, I'm, I'm collecting ideas over a period of several months. We're just uh, doing normal things like... Uh, doing office work and stuff, and sometimes a melody comes through my mind, and I always carry this little tape machine with me, and uh, I record something, maybe a vocal line, a hook line or something. Then when I, maybe one or two days later, when I pick up the guitar just for practicing a bit, uh, sometimes a riff comes through my mind. I say, whoa, that's a cool idea. And I'm recording it as well on this little tape machine. And after um, I'm collecting these ideas over several months, uh, six, seven, eight, nine months, ten months probably, then I sit down and listen all back to all the tracks I recorded. And I make some notes on a, on a sheet of paper, you know, and say, ah, uh, maybe the vocal line from number two, from idea number two on the tape fits perfectly to the, to the guitar, uh, which is idea number 68 or something, you know, because it's the okay. same kind of mood of a song, you know. And then I'm doing these little things together and... Uh, I'm making real songs out of it with my digital machine here, and I'm recording everything from the rhythm guitar to the lead guitar to a little bass on it, uh, and I sing my own melody lines in it. And when a song is okay. done, for, for me done, then uh, I write the lyrics, you know, and then for me the song is completely done, and then I give it to the others. Um, not directly, the first time they ever hear a complete song is when they enter the studio, you know. And for okay. example, with, with Johnny, I'm handling it that way that uh, the last record, and the, I think the one before too, um, he, he wasn't here to record. He sang over in the States, you know. He had this little okay. little studio on the East Coast, and um, we, we communicated uh, communicated via Skype. You know? Okay. Yeah, this was, you know, I was in the studio recording the guitars, and when I, when I got back home, uh, I put on Skype, put on my headphones, and I phoned Johnny, and I said, Johnny, listen, this is the track. And we put, of course, we put in the track with my guiding vocal lines on the server, and he downloaded it, and then we're discussing it, you know. And he said, "Okay, Axel, I know what you mean. Can I do? Can I edit something like this or that? You know what I mean? Just a little bit different then. And um, sometimes it works. Sometimes it's, it, uh, we have to go over it the, the, the next day again. But sometimes he's surprising me. And when I listen to the track back on the next day, I say, "Wow, that's great. We don't we don't need to change change anything. You know." That's that's a neat way to do it. I had never heard. So Johnny still lives in the U.S. Then, right? Yes. Is is making albums in Germany still something that's profitable and something that um, you can make a living doing, or is it still touring that that makes you know that brings in money to keep this going for you guys? Oh uh, no no you know you know I I think I got a good record deal with SPV so um, I don't have a problem with that you know so it's always um, I mean I spend a lot of money when we're recording it I'm into the real studio I'm not doing it at home home just for my demos. And uh, got a good engineer, and uh, doing the mastering and everything is, is perfect. So, and I think yeah, we, we were quite famous here over in Europe. So um, the last record, the Crest, hit the charts in Germany on position number. It's the official top 100 charts in Germany. It's like your Billboard charts. It's mm-hmm. the end of, and, and 22, so which is really high. You know that that was really right. cool. So ended the charts in 
was it Switzerland, in Sweden, in Finland. So uh, yeah, it's quite okay. I can make a oh, video. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's alive and well in Europe, which is great to hear. Um, last question for you, actually. Do you, I, I don't know when the last time you guys actually did kind of a full-scale tour of the United States, but is there anything in the works? Uh, not really, because every time I wanted to, you know, but, but, but Johnny's living over there, and Mike Tirana knows the business too, and both people are t telling me, actually, it doesn't make any sense, because when you play over there, you have to be, uh, you have to play maybe in front of 80 people or 120 people or 120, but then I would definitely lose big bucks, you know. Right. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's a big financial endeavor, and I, won't, I can't do that, so I'm afraid. Certainly. Yeah, it, may, it certainly makes more sense if you can tour profitably closer to home to, to go ahead and do that. Well, actually, yeah. I want to thank you for taking the time out of your day to talk to us. It's an honor. All right, there you have it, Mr. Axel Rudy Pell. I want to thank both Dora Pesci and Axel Rudy Pell for taking the time to come on the show and uh, invite you to check both of the bands out. Uh, really some great stuff from uh, over on the other side of the pond. Uh, you can find more information on us at ironcityrocks.com. Uh, we're on MySpace, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, etc. So don't be a stranger if you'd like to leave us some feedback on either iTunes or there's a comment uh, or contact link on our website. Please do so. We love hearing from you. And uh, we invite you to check out a new podcast that we're involved with, uh, kind of a sister podcast called Focus on Metal. Uh, if you like the heavy stuff, it's focusonmetal.net. Uh, I've got some great interviews. They've got a show coming up with Odorous Urungus of uh, Guar. So I know there's a lot of Pittsburgh fans. They always seem to sell out when they come to Pittsburgh. So you want to check that out. Focusonmetal.net. Have a good time.